Broadcasting from Manhattan Beach and the World Wide Web, you're listening to CHSR, HealthyLife.net. As a service to our listeners, this program is for general information and entertainment purposes only. CHSRHealthyLife.net does not recommend, endorse, or object to the views, products, or topics expressed or discussed by show hosts or their guests. We suggest you always consult with your own personal, medical, financial, or legal advisor. You're tuned in to Real-Time Relationships. Enter the world of successful relationships. You'll get insider tips on how to navigate the perils and pitfalls of modern dating and up-close-and-personal real-life stories you can relate to from Dr. Camarado's personal clients. Dr. Marianne Camarado is a relationship expert, author, and media personality who continues to enjoy her own long-term successful relationship. And now, here's Real-Time Relationships with Dr. Marianne Camarado. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Marianne Camarado here. You've tuned in to Real-Time Relationships, and today we're going to be talking about Tantra. And in a way that perhaps you may not have heard before, or you might be re-inspired, or if Tantra is something that's brand new, you might learn something new. Either way, we are so glad you're here We hope that you can find some way to open your heart, find your feet, your feet and your breath, and get grounded. Talking about sexuality can stir so much, and I'll tell you, culturally, there is so much happening in this conversation at a cellular level, an energetic level, at the political level. This is no small inquiry that we are about to embark on. Joining me today is Niazo Carter, who has been a spiritual guide and tantric coach, the founder of the Sacred Loving Institute. She's been doing this work for many years. She is, at the very least, an expert, and one of the things I really love about her is not only is she beloved among my friends and colleagues, she lives what she teaches, and that's one of the things I'm most interested in, bringing you folks that are not only teaching principles but have really embraced them in their own lives um, so as to become role models and folks that are informed and embodied by the practices themselves, which I think is so essential to the new paradigm of teaching today, the new pedagogy that at least I subscribe to. I know the folks that tune in really like that as well. So, yeah, let's take a deep breath together. Notice wherever you are, whatever's moving through you, to just allow that to settle for a moment, setting an intention together to explore this really important topic, this inquiry, this conversation that really may stir, as I said, some things inside you, and all different kinds of ways that you might be stirred or shaken, but finding a way to come back to your breath and to the ground that supports you. If at any time you are stirred and moving outside of that window of presence or tolerance, 
You can always take a pause, hit the pause button on the radio, but come back and join us again as we make this journey together. I'm going to introduce my guest now. Uh, Nia, so we're so glad that you're here uh, joining us today on Real-Time Relationships. Thanks for making time for us. Oh, and I'm honored by the invitation. Thank you so much, Marianne. <laughs> it's my pleasure, and I love how I found you. I love, love, love that I sat in a meditation and I thought this, this term Tantra, which has been agitating me for many years, trying to come to terms with uh, finding a way to hold sexuality sacred, and I had a vision of one of my dear friends, and she immediately knew and led me to you, and, and I'd just like to give a little shout-out for manifesting that way. <laughs> I think it really, it's really the direct line when we allow spirit to help inform us, don't you think? Absolutely, yes. Yes, yes. So here we are, and when I did approach you, I asked if we could take a slightly different approach to talking about Tantra, and I just want to say a little bit about that and then invite you to share with us a little bit about the history of Tantra and what brought you to the teaching, but I ask you to um, consider talking about Tantra in sort of all of the aspects that are important to know, rather than just jumping into the juicy, yummy, feel-good pieces. I wanted to talk about the historical context and, and the, you know, the altruistic um, aspirations that people have and um, the, the higher and deeper uh, value-driven motivation to, to be called into the Tantra conversation. And you didn't even flinch. You said, absolutely, that's what I do. So having said that, will you please just guide us some about giving us context and then what brought you to Tantra um, in terms of being a teacher and practitioner? Sure. I mean, uh, I... Marianne, I don't fully know who your audience is, but it sounds like they're quite educated and spiritually knowledgeable people. But nevertheless, I feel like I need to kind of start from the beginning because the term Tantra was coined in northern India about 500 B.C., actually after Christ, 500 after Christ. And, and then it was not, you know, to, to this day, if you really are trying to get the roots of you know, where did the word come from, you will find a lot of conflicting information because Tantra was really more the term for a book. And there was many different tantric sects, sects back in that day. And really what was their um, kind of defining common denominator was that there, back in those days of the, the Hindu and Buddhist culture, said, we don't need a caste system. We welcome everyone. And this is what we're teaching the nature of life. So, um, and, and I really have tried to get the, to the bottom of that word because I, I use it in my work. And I will have to honestly say that I have not gotten to the bottom of it. It's more like there's lots of different people who, who talk about Tantra in different ways of meaning so mm -hmm. I want to just address the different ways that exist today in and interrupting me if you have any questions of course but 
Um, I personally like to use the word because I actually ended up as an 18-year-old in India with a guru, and he liked and loved to lecture about Tantra in a very spiritual way. So he was... He just said Tantra is a way of life. It's a way of being closer to nature. It's a way of using what's, what life offers on planet Earth to become a fuller human being, which back then was in opposition to Hinduism and Buddhism, who, who said that the spiritual people are ascetics. Mm-hmm. Um, they are um, often celibate and often in a cave and often, you know, kind of not in the crowds. So, so that's kind of the, the, the background. And then Tantra got brought to the West probably earlier in the 19th, 20th, and 20th century, where it always had a little bit of a connotation of something to do with sexuality. Mm-hmm. But I want to just affirm that actually Tantra was way, way bigger than than the, the topic of sexuality. But in the West, we kind of equate it now, and, and that's okay. And then, of course, what's happened now, on, and I do need to give the broad range of it, if you go on the Internet and you look at um, Tantra, you will find all kinds of things. Yeah. <laughs> all kinds of things. <laughs> Yes. And one of the things you do find a lot is something called Tantra Massage. And mm. and there again, you will find varied, varied, varied offerings. And sometimes, you know, some of my friends jokingly say, well, all that Tantra Massage is is a happy ending massage mm. um, done by a woman who, who wants to give her massage a spiritual tone. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's partially true. Because, again, you know, everyone can go on the Internet and call themselves whatever they want to call themselves. And I think that's the beauty of it because it's a free world. I don't judge any of it. But it's important to know that, you know, some people, depending on how they've been exposed to that word, have a completely different understanding of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, then there's... Yeah. Yeah. No, let me jump in and just say this. One yes. of the things that I remember first hearing about was that that uh, Tantra was a way to, through sex with a partner, to get closer to God. It was really quite simple. And I yes. I understood what that meant sort of fundamentally, but then in my Western mind, uh, it became distorted. And, you know, I have all kinds of concerns about that. We're going to get to some of those today, but let's speak to that one as well. Uh, this sounds like a westernized version of what you were talking about. It's drilling down to be more specifically oriented towards sexuality, which I think is the most popular way to, to hold this, yeah? Yes, absolutely. And it's, and it's absolutely true what you just said. Tantra honors the sexual energy as a potent life force that can bring us closer to God if looked at and if, if handled correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tantra, the word, really was more the teachings of letting life use, using every aspect of life, birth, death, um, nature, to bring us closer to, do- to God. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like just specifically focused on sexuality, but mm-hmm. mostly in the West. When we use the term tantra, it does seem to have something to do with sacred sexuality, and that's okay. I just wanted to give mm-hmm. sort of the broader background. No, I love it. it. 
I love it. Nia, so when you first came across Tantra at 18, um, you know, you had a lot of hormones going on, I imagine, and, and yet grounded in, in deep spirituality. Tell us a little bit more about that initial introduction, and if you wouldn't be, if you'd be so kind, it's a little bit about your background. Did you come from a traditional background and all of that? Take us on the uh, Yeah, I was born and raised in Germany in the Catholic upbringing, so definitely very, extremely traditional. Still had a father who was like, you don't have sex before marriage, but things didn't go too well back home. My mother died early. Uh, my father was a combat vet and didn't really understand life very well, and I became the head of the family at a very young age. And that led me to, sometimes I jokingly say, you know, some people find stuff through inspiration. Uh, I found it through desperation. <laughs> I was literally so depressed and so traumatized by the time I was 14 that I was asking for the meaning of life early. I was like, why am I here? What am I doing? This is miserable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, as soon as I got a passport at age 18, uh, me and a few friends, actually this was back in the day when you still could, uh, hitchhiked from Germany to India. Mm. And that was actually really, you know, how kids are. They just go, they're spontaneous, and we had very little money, and we we're actually going to New Zealand. But it turns out one of my travel companions had already been to India, and we ended up in the ashram of what then was Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, later known as Osho. And he himself was a very controversial person. Mm -hmm. He was a very inspired man. I mean, now especially they made a documentary about our time later on after India in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And so he's actually coming into the public eye again. And... You know, that's a whole other conversation where yeah. <laughs> we'll be back to that go, show on the guru, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. And I just want to say to anyone who who has watched Wild Wild Country, that documentary, that we were even though that was all true and that all went on, the underpinning of the commune and its its uh, its members was was the spiritual interest of growth and mm. awakening. And um, we were all mortified how it was handled and how it all went. So mm -hmm. I, w mm -hmm. I would say that now when I look at that documentary, I just go, oh, I was part of that? And then I go, mm -hmm. forgive myself. Yeah, I was innocent. I was young. And I wasn't in charge. And yet my intention was absolutely, and most of the intention of most of the people there was absolutely honorable and kind. Mm -hmm. And I can vouch for to see all the people I know, without exception, hundreds of people I have met who are sannyasins, ex-sannyasins, are just the loveliest people, truly the yes. most trustworthy, heart-centered, just gorgeous human beings on a path. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But back to, yes, thanks. And back, but back to those days in the early India days with Bhagwan, Later on, not unknown as Osho, he he loved to read and he loved to talk to us in, in in lecture, and we would sit and meditate at his feet, and he would really bring the original meaning of tantra to us, which was very poetic. It was really about not just sex, but the understanding that everything that happens in life is can be a a, a trigger, a pointer to 
to the, the bigger truth that we're all one, that we can, we're all love. And it was very inspiring to listen to him. And then, though, we were a commune of all kinds of people, which, you know, I certainly honor that I was traumatized and dysfunctional and, you know, wanted more but didn't have a clue how to do it. So I used to, I sometimes joke then that he would inspire us with these poetic teachings, and then we were there left to our own devices in the commune, and what happened was often far from tantric or enlightened. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and so jo sometimes jokingly, I say, I learned in my time in the ashram and in the commune uh, a lot about tantra by what not to do, mm, you know, mm -hmm. things things that didn't work where I was, would go to bed with someone and afterwards go, why did I do that? Or, mm -hmm. That wasn't that fun. So mm -hmm. even though if I'm going to be brutally honest, I was 18 and my hormones certainly were a alive and well, but I was also very traumatized and I did mm -hmm. things I, I wish I never had done. Mm -hmm. And that was, it was a really long journey of years and decades of going, well, what is healthy sexuality? What is true? What's right? Because uh, even back then, you know, we were indoctrinated. Everyone had their own idea. You know, Bhagwan Osho gave us certainly something to think about, but to implement it wasn't necessarily all that easy because it takes huge, hugely good good communication skills, for example, which I didn't I didn't have at the time. Mm, absolutely. And as you said, that, you know, trauma, that re-traumatization, re right, that disconnection, I think, from so many of us from the sacred aspects, we're misunderstanding or we're having just such, such a varied understanding of what sacred sexuality even means. Sorting through that, right, took years for so many of us. And the time, it was the time. It was the yes. time to explore sexuality, and, and many women felt empowered, and men too, leaving, like you said, very conventional, traditional kinds of upbringings to explore some new frontier. So there was more than just the personal quest. It was, it was in the collective, yeah? Yes, absolutely. And... And that's where, you know, we all were, I want to say we were fumbling along. It's the best yeah. word <laughs> yeah. to, to really put to it um, with some instruction. But then we, you know, the, the therapist that uh, back in the day, Osho, one of the nice things about Osho was that he did recognize the need for therapy. So mm -hmm. he said, you need to meditate, but meditation alone will not, will not work for the Western person. We, you need to let go of your baggage. So he kind of employed all of the, uh, anyone that came to his ashram that had any kind of therapeutic skills in the psycho, psychological department, he just put them to leading groups and doing sessions. And uh, so there was a lot of workshops and things going on. So it was a very interesting time. And, again, those therapists weren't necessarily all that clued in with, what is healthy sexuality either. They were just people who had a little bit of psychology training. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. most of most of the psychology with without respect to gender here, try and have a have an ear for this folks. 
was so heavily influenced by the the patriarchal masculine you know the freudian uh jungian kind of although i love carl jung but that that very male objective scientific way of of really not understanding the the soma the body mind connection still right there was yes. there was psychology which is was a western form of spiritual bypass what do you think about that idea <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i would I, I couldn't agree more I mean, even though that the concept of that we do have shadow work to do, that we, there are mm-hmm. things inside us that are our unconscious that are running us, I think mm-hmm. it's a very good tenet. It was just, at the time, it was sort of still the beginning of self-development and self-help movement. Yeah. And, again, we're fumbling along. It's the best description I can yeah. put to what I feel we were doing at the yeah. time. But it had, that had to be good enough. And so we're going to go to break, Mia, so and when we come back, I, I want to hear, I want our listeners to hear what your awakening. Of course, it's a, not just one spot, but there were some things that happened for you that led you to the work you now teach. We'd love to hear that. We also want to hear more about how we can apply these principles and include sacred sexuality in our lives, whether we're in a relationship or not. More right here on Real-Time Relationships. I'm Dr. Marianne Camerata. We'll be right back right after these messages. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at 50-50, and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward, and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real-Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We're so glad you're here. This is Real-Time Relationships. We're talking with Miyato Carter. She is a tantric guide, spiritual coach, and founder of the Sacred Loving Institute. We're talking about the history of Tantra. We've covered that. Uh, A lot of conflicting information about Tantra, and uh, some of you have probably done your homework. It's a much bigger concept than we've uh, reduced it down to, at least here in the Western culture, some folks who are listening in different parts of the world. You already know that. Um, and then, Miyasa, yeah, so we were talking with you about your background, your introduction um, from uh, your young adult life, 18, moving into a, 
uh, relationship with a guru, which is what they say is um, a really good way to be introduced to um, Tantra. Um, well, a lot of folks have said that. And you said you learned more about what not to do than <laughs> to do on your journey and what a wild journey it was during those times and, and that you had brought your own um, trauma and healing that you needed to do. So let's, let's jump ahead to the point where you moved out of that scenario and into one where you began to heal yourself in a different way and how some of your understanding about Tantra changed and how it led you to do what you're doing now. Good, yeah, because really ultimately the only reason I ever share my story is because I think a lot of women will resonate mm-hmm. because there there is even in the new age movement or in the spiritual communities nowadays there is still sort of an idea that tantra is this sort of high-tech version of sex and that we need to know you know maybe we need to know eastern philosophy or maybe we need to know what chakras and mantras are and Certainly it doesn't, you know, a lot of people have some idea that they, they, they need to learn something complicated. Mm-hmm. And from where I'm looking, nothing could be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. Really, if I would put the simplest explanation on Tantra, it's coming closer to our natural self. Mm-hmm. And that's more of an undoing. It's like beginning to trust our own hearts and bodies again rather than going, oh, we need this technique. Sometimes, I mean, I feel like sometimes to say the only techniques that I find useful are those that take us out of a predisposition that makes us think sex, sacred sex is complicated. Mm-hmm. So that it's more of an unlearning where we need to go, okay, Listening to our body's words and whispers is kind of what we need to come back to. Even if it's inconvenient and doesn't look like this perfect picture of sex that we may have gotten stuck in our heads through movies. Some people, you know, have done a lot of pornography and it gives a whole other set of images in their heads. But even uh, some of the, you know, regular magazines in their sex tips are, are not really that close to healthy sexuality than I would like. Mm. So the, really the first thing I want to say is do not listen to the modern media unless it rings in your heart like the truth, unless it feels like, oh, but of course, that sounds right. That feels like a good message that my body and my heart can relate to. And if, if, if a message out in the media doesn't touch your heart and make your body relax, I want to say just ignore it and listen to your body. Listen to the messages, the whispers of your body that say, oh, maybe I want to try this now if I <clears throat> make love with my partner or maybe I want to ask for that. Well, let's pause right here and bring up um, the trauma piece because I feel like that you mentioned, you told your story thinking a lot of women would relate, and I think a lot of people 
will relate. Sexuality is a very vulnerable conversation. Men or people who relate as men are launched into a lot of archetypal constructs or constellations that they just inherited. Like, that's yes. just the way it is, you know, and if yes. you don't inherit no that, you really suffer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Where no, no, no one is ever at fault, and I'm right. never only on the side of the women. Cause no, I'm no, no, doing, of course not. Yeah, I know what men deal with in this yeah. area, all the performance requirements, all the lack of sex education when, they're te when their hormones are raging at 12, 13, 14. Yeah, so we're, we're, I want to say we're all learning together. I wouldn't yeah. even say I've got it all figured out. I'm just yeah. saying it's been my life's mission to ask the question, yeah. what is healthy sexuality? Yes. And I'm still on that mission. So go yes, ahead and ask but, your question. Yeah, no, I love that. That was so helpful because what I was adding to or wanted to sort of expand um, or extrapolate from what you were saying and our previous conversation to the show was really about there's so much inherited trauma, whether you're a man, a woman, however you identify sexually or whatever your gender is. There, it's inherited from thousands of years. Uh, the Western culture has its own particular inherited trauma, uh, female sexual objectification, the patriarchy, uh, religion, I mean, you name it. There is all, there are all kinds of layers that, from the, you know, familial, archetypal to the shadow material you talked about, et cetera. It's just a lot here. This is no small conversation. That being said, uh, what's happening in our culture right now is a transition from what people might understand, uh, in terms of, uh, moving from a very masculine, not gender, but the masculine male uh, sort of energetic to a more feminine construct or orientation. The feminine qualities including uh, the, the, the body that was sort of shamed and pushed down into the shadows is now re-emerging on so many levels. Mother Earth is one example, right? The body of the Earth. Um, the shape of our bodies has, is changing in the media, what we love, what we don't like, all of these uh, very basic ways of looking. But, but the, the whole story is up for reorganization here. Yes. So Tantra, for me, uh, and you and, and those listening, I think it, it, really, it really behooves us all to pause at the place that you stopped at, which was what you inherited, and then there was an awakening point you had in your life. An awakening point that was probably not one day per se, but a place that you can look back and say, my body, my experience of my sexuality is sacred and that's what this, and this is what that means to me. Tell us about that and let's build from there because I think that's what your work speaks to in a yes. fundamental way. Yes, and it certainly wasn't a distinct moment. There was many of those, but definitely after living in that ashram, and it was a little bit of a free-for-all. It was very one, what, what one would call sex-positive. And um, at a certain point, I just went, uh, is this really good for me? <laughs> uh, I mean, this was before I had started really understanding the, you know, what trauma can do to you. 
And I want to say it's not just sexual trauma. Any kind of trauma can mm-hmm. shut us down and contract our bodies. I mean, war veterans, of course, are a classic example. And what we will do is we'll, leave, we'll live at lesser capacity of aliveness, of energy flow, to keep mm-hmm. ourselves protected from, from having post-traumatic stress symptoms, essentially, from having flashbacks. And that's why I will often say, you know, the reason that you, you know, sacred sexuality and the whole concept of Tantra needs to go hand in hand with trauma healing is because in order to allow your energy to flow fully again, in order to let your body relax fully, you need to be able to handle the emotions and energetics that come up when you aspire to a higher vibration. Beautiful. When we come back from the break, okay. we're gonna we're gonna drop a little bit deeper into that conversation, because boy, I'm on the edge of my seat. I have all kinds of visions that just popped up. I don't know about you guys out yeah. there, and you, uh, everybody listening, hold that thought, take a deep breath, move that energy up and down your kundalini, as they say. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't do it too fast. We'll be back right after these messages. Uh, don't touch that dial. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I am perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at it 50-50 and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. You have too little time to shop, so try Farm Fresh to you. They deliver organic food the way nature intended, delivered straight to your home or office, economically. Visit our web advertiser page and click on Farm Fresh to you now. All positive talk with a mature edge. HealthyLife.net. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, you've tuned in to Real-Time Relationships. Joining me is Miyaso Carter, and she's a Tantra guide, spiritual coach, and the founder of the Sacred Loving Institute. And, I, and her name is Miyaso, and I keep wanting to say Miyaso, but it's like tomato. tomato. It's such a beautiful name. Tell us what your name means, by the way. Um, actually, that name is a Sanskrit name, and it means silent prayer. And back in the day of the ashram like I, that I described, it was Ma Prem Nyasa, which meant psych, psych, silent prayer of love. Mm. So 
I figured that was a name that I could live with um, (laughs) for a long time. And it sort of really speaks to what we're talking about, too, that it's it's about silent prayer of love that, I mean, to me, Tantra, that's what it is. It's a, a silent prayer that may we, may we find love and body show us how to find love because the body is wiser than our minds. Mm-hmm. I, and, you know, it, I live on Maui in Hawaii, and the ancient Hawaiians had that figured out because they always would say, you will access your higher self through your body. And the body and the inner child are actually sort of looked at synonymously, like it's the same thing. Our inner child and our body are the same thing. And if we listen to them really well, we will get access to our higher selves in a way that we would never never get if we're Mm -hmm. just listening to our minds. Mm -hmm. So you, you healed yourself. You are in a continual learning process, healing process, you said, with your own journey of trying to come closer to your natural self through your Tantra practices. Tell us about what you find out uh, in the world in terms of the common um, complaints or concerns that people come to you with and how Tantra can help. Yeah. So... You know, the classic couple that will come to me for coaching, something's not as happy in the bedroom as they would like. And usually there are couples who love each other very much, so there is a lot of goodness in the relationship, and yet this area somehow is mystifying them. And um, usually sort of the components I work with them is that one that we already touched on, which is to relax and begin to learn how to listen to your body, but also to really learn how to communicate what you then find with each other. So sometimes I'll say, you know, if I would put how to have sacred sex in a nutshell, it's like talk a lot more about your sex life than you ever have, make eye contact while you do it, make eye contact while you make love, and learn to listen to what your body needs and learn to speak about it. So, so how about some examples for, for maybe that couple who comes to you uh, and says, we love each other and we uh, don't know how to listen to our bodies and, yeah, I don't really make eye contact and we certainly don't want to talk about it because it's so uncomfortable. What are some exercises or, or ways that you can invite people into um, this kind of connection or a deeper connection? Right. Well, the first thing I, before I give you an exercise, I want to just say the first thing, it will take some courage because when we drop into these vulnerable, so delicate areas, all of our self-worth issues will come up. Am I good enough? So being willing, what I usually say to a couple is be willing to rock the boat a little. You, you need to be able to come out of the sort of the well-worn rut of how you do sex, and you need to be exploring new ways, but be prepared to have some emotion coming up when it when that happens. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we talked about it, that. Yeah, we talked about that before we went left for the break. That was the thing that I forgot to mention, right? That when you start doing the deeper work, all of your material is going to come up. You're not going to go right into nirvana. There's going to be some old pain and some trauma per se. Uh, that might come up, correct? Correct. And 
And so e even if you say don't believe in psychology and you just want to have the best sex ever, mm. when you open energetically, whatever is contracted and in self-protection because of childhood wounds, because of traumas that have happened, whether they're sexual traumas or other ones, will pop up for release. And often there will be like a very emotional moment in that. I mean, for some more extreme uh, um, uh, trauma survivors, they need a little bit of hand-holding because they can get very scared. Mm -hmm. Because when we open our energy body to this flow of sexual pleasure and love, all those things will bubble up for healing along the way. So usually to really severe trauma survivors, I would say, only embark on this journey with the help of a therapist. Um, but, you know, let's, let's say the garden variety of trauma, we still need to be prepared to have emotional experiences as we open into this pleasure because things will just come up. Um, for example, I usually give, uh, do a little guided, and it's on my, I have an audio program out that has a few guided journeys that I offer, uh, along with explanation about Tantra and lots of assignments. And one of the guided journeys is an eye gazing exercise. And sometimes I'll just sit a couple down and I, I just help them get comfortable having eye contact. Because for many people, it's not necessarily that comfortable. Mm -hmm. Because as we say, our eyes are the windows to our soul. Sometimes we, we have things we feel like it's not worth seeing or don't look there because mm -hmm. we'll see something that isn't that pretty. Mm -hmm. And to allow this unprotected eye contact is a, is a really amazing start. But mm -hmm. even that, even that, I will say, will, takes a lot of kindness toward ourselves to say, I'm good enough. I am allowing myself to be seen by this person, trusting that I'm good enough to be seen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it that, takes courage, it takes time, it takes listening, it takes willingness, and the, what I heard was a mutual love and respect between people, yeah? Yes, it's definitely something that, I mean, a couple works on beginning to trust that, oh, I can say that too, you know, I mean, I, you asked for an example, an example, and again, I, I, I don't want to be gender um, marking on what different things happen, but I'll just give you an example, say uh, a couple, the kids have just gone off to college, they're realizing we don't have much of a sex life, life left, and we don't know how to get there, and then often it's the time for the woman to go, you know, some of the ways you touch me even though I love you, don't really open my body. Mm. And, and I, I'm going to need, you know, something different. And then what I often have to do is help the woman find her voice in describing what her body is asking for. You know, and sometimes it's super simple. It's like, can you do this a little slower? Can you do this a little lighter? Can I just relax more and not try and be the sex kitten for you? Um, there are so many ways. I mean, and the men, too, they, they have their own ways of, you know, trying to perform. I mean, mostly the problem is people are trying to please each other so much that they won't ever allow themselves the time to relax and listen to their bodies 
murmurings because they're going, oh, this, this probably doesn't look like the way it should look. So mm-hmm. let me just keep moving instead of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if we do it really fast and get it over with and get to that end part that feels good, nobody will notice. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And yet as, as people, you know, and that works usually quite well when people are in their 20s and 30s. Because they're, like you mentioned, you know, the hormones, it doesn't always work, and not for everyone, but I'm just saying more generalized that we can kind of skip. We have plenty of hormones in our bodies, and we kind of can, um, you know, sometimes I call the orgasm the, the, the instead of booby prize, of yeah. all, the, all these other experiences that can be had yeah. while being in love play. That's right. When we come back after the break for our last uh, eight-minute segment, everybody, we're going to talk about Tantra for the single person or a person who's just currently not in a relationship or committed relationship. Don't touch that dial. Don't swipe left. Don't do anything. Just sit and breathe and turn your attention to your body. What opens your body? When we come back, we'll find out right after these messages. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at it 50-50 and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. Discover the world's largest anti-aging organization, Life Extension. For the best information, vitamins, and supplements, you just can't beat Life Extension. To start extending your life, go to the HealthyLife.net advertiser page and click on the Life Extension banner. Radio your way. HealthyLife.net Joining us, everybody. You've tuned into Real Time Relationships. I'm Dr. Marianne Camarado. Joining us today is Miyaso Carter, Tantra Guide, Spiritual Coach, and founder of the Sacred Loving Institute. Um, Miyaso, we were talking before the break about um, relationship with other, how we move into um, the conversation. We talked about the courage, the time it takes, the mutual love and respect. Um, the uh, good, deep listening, being able to communicate little by little more and more about what our bodies need together. Uh, you've got 
um, practices that are available for folks to start eye gazing, different different ways to move into greater intimacy, <clears throat> ultimately, which can really support your opening your heart to the divine, as Rumi, Hafiz, other mystics have, have experienced um, when they've come to know God uh, through relationship of some kind. But like Rumi and Hafiz, knowing God on your own begs the question, um, loving yourself and your own body, what does Tantra look like uh, for the individual who is not necessarily in a relationship or, or is more celibate? That is such a good question. And I want to just uh, share with you that in the ancient days, it was actually considered that a tantric student needed to do a lot of solo practice first before ever attempting to do this in relationship. Mm-hmm. So, so what a person can do nowadays if they find themselves single for a stretch is to do these solo practices. And what they involve is, of course, self-love, but that in, in itself is a very big word that... How do you do that? So one of the ways to love yourself is to do physical practices that will open your not just your physical body but your energy body. Um, shaking is a good one, which um, is just standing on with your feet solid on the ground and just very gently shaking first your wrists, then your arms, then your knees, letting your head bounce. And it's kind of like letting your energy bubble up like champagne bubbles in mm. your body. So the, 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 the really the very first and foremost solo practice is to come into your body more fully by any means possible. Taking a bubble bath, um, going for a walk, hugging a tree, but always with that intention of self-kindness. The, the terms, yeah, the term self-love is such a big term, and of course it is what we need to practice. But that's why I like to use different words for it. Um, of course, meditation is a wonderful practice, but again, the only way meditation will work is if we bring the utmost kindness to ourselves when we sit there and breathe. So that it's always about how can I adore myself? How can I tell myself I'm good enough? I'm worthy. I'm I'm amazing. I'm adorable. Rather than you know, because what often we do when we meditate is like we we look for how can I improve myself? How can I be better? Am I doing this right? Absolutely. And, and so I kind of have gotten even off the term meditation because of the connotation of self-discipline that it implies that often makes people kind of like be these spiritual aspirants that aren't mm-hmm. really kind, kind to themselves. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want to say practicing self-kindness is the ultimate tantric practice. And mm-hmm. for some people it'll be sitting in meditation. For some people it'll be a walk in the park. For some people it will be doing a yoga class or any kind of physical activity that makes that loves our body that makes our body feel good Mm. that makes our body feel good and there's such a wholesome quality to that that's really in my experience been lost in our culture 
you know, feeling that wholesome pleasure that really is a human need. And yes. so loving oneself is where it starts. I always say great relationships begin thin, and you've given us a whole new meaning, <laughs> really, you know, just sitting with yourself, being with yourself. And it's, there's also the physics law that goes with this, right? Whatever, the, or the as above, so below. However we treat ourselves, we are more likely to draw that into our lives. Um, not only, and not always and not ever, but certainly we can put such great intention around that um, so we can cultivate more love, starting with ourselves. So we don't need necessarily partnership to begin the Tantra journey. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, the ancients said, no, start with yourself first, right? Learn Absolutely. about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. That was always how the ancients saw it, you know, be with yourself, do solo practice. And I just need to affirm or just repeat again, solo practice is not a stern discipline. It's meant to be sweet. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to feel nurturing. So in general, I would say, yeah, if you do the shaking exercise, for example, or ways to open your body, look for what feels good. Pleasure pleasure truly is a good thing. It's Mm -hmm. our birthright. And it, yep. there's nothing wrong with seeking pleasure, not Absolutely. not at all. We just want to seek pleasure in ways that are health-giving, energy-opening, heart-opening, rather than the pleasure of, you know, say, a, a bunch of drinks, which there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that either. Um, mm-hmm. But um, finding small little ways, sometimes I encourage people to, to use essential oils just because scent is such an immediate pleasure to find essential oils that harmonize, like sandalwood or um, vetiver or or lavender, whatever works for people. Uh, But I really encourage people to love themselves by attending to all the senses with the most delicate, delicious kindness. Go, oh, body, you want to wear silk? Okay, that's what we'll do. Um, And not to call that selfish or indulgent, but rather self-loving. Beautiful. Beautiful, gorgeous invitation. We're at the top of the hour. What do you want to leave us with, Miyaso? Um, I want to just reiterate, Tantra is coming closer to nature, and pleasure is the most natural thing in the world. So seeking pleasure in healthy ways, whether alone or in relationship, is a spiritual practice. Mm. Seeking pleasure is a spiritual practice because it's natural. Yes. <laughs> I love and it. We, des- we deserve it. We're meant to have it. And it requires a lot of very tender attention and listening to what our bodies want, what our inner children want, because that will lead us to our connection with our higher self. Just so, thank you just, so much. Yes, right. kindness towards ourselves yes thank you for joining us today come back and visit again anytime it's been such a joy to have you with us today and thank you it was my pleasure okay everybody sit tight I'll be back for our wrap in just a minute to find out more information about Niasso etc when we get back right after these messages
Audiobooks gives you instant access to over 50,000 of the best sellers and hottest book titles in romance, mystery, fiction, and many other genres. Just visit HealthyLife.net's advertiser page and click on Audiobooks to get started. Do you have relationship questions? I wish my past relationships didn't affect my relationships now to the point that I project them onto my partner. I'm perpetually single. What does that mean? You know, I've been single for 15 years, and at this point, I can hardly even imagine what intimacy and total connection would even feel like. The part of my relationship with a man that I've had in my life for so many years that keeps me here and present is that the relationship is not just about me, about us. We come in at 50-50, and it feels so good when you can help that other person move forward, and they can help you. To get answers to your relationship questions, call in to Real-Time Relationships with Marianne Camarado every fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on HealthyLife.net. You're listening to CHSR Real Radio on the web. Everybody, check out our new website, MarianneComrado.com, for more podcasts and radio shows just like these. Uh, next time we're together, keep in mind uh, that we are real-time relationships as well as Mary Ann Lives. I wish you every blessing until we meet again. Take care. <laughs> 